If your church has been around long enough, they've probably got one of these hanging on their wall somewhere. It's a painting of a shepherd and a sheep. Well, lots of sheep. Uh, beautiful green pastures, still waters. It's quiet, it's peaceful. It, it's all of that. But, have you ever tried to steer a sheep? All right, time for dinner. Come back. No, it's okay. You guys, wait. We're friends. Why do you run? Hey, don't get smart out with me, all right? All right, someone's getting the shears. And if I'm to be honest, sheep, they're dumb. I don't know if you've heard. No, they're just not as smart as other animals. No, they're dumb. Like walk off a cliff just because it's there, dumb. All right, do you want me to take you out to pasture? Because I will take you out to pasture. No, no, come back. Karen, no, Karen, over here, over here. Goodness gracious, they're just stubborn. Skittish, too. Fearful little things. Oh, don't be like that. Do you want me to get the shepherd's hook? Do you want me to get the shepherd's hook? Hey, hey, I'm the one that feeds you. Hey, don't ignore me. I think I get kids' ministry now. Fine. I love you. You ever wondered why Jesus called us a sheep? Kind of a bitter pill to swallow, huh? If we were to closely examine our lives, look at all the messes that we make, how fearful we are, how fickle and wayward we can, well, if I can just put it bluntly, how dumb we can be, we are sheep. Yeah, sheep, that's about right. (laughs) But thankfully, God sent us a good shepherd, someone who will be gentle with us when we are far from home, someone who will be firm when he needs to be. Doesn't it say everything that God picked shepherds to send the good news of Jesus' birth that right there should remind us of his shepherd in ways right off the bat. That first Christmas, it was a sign of peace with God for all eternity. And our shepherd, he paid the price for that peace. The highest price. I don't know about you, but this Christmas, it means so much to me that I have a good shepherd. Morning, Life Spring. I've stood before you many times, but this is the first time I'm standing before you as a United States citizen. Thank you. Thank you. Becoming a citizen this past week was a culmination of a 30-year journey. I'm grateful for all your prayers and support for those of you who've prayed for us. And I especially want to thank my husband, Jesse, who, when I had given hope on the process some years ago, he chose to push me to keep going. 
and motivated me these last few years just to finish what I started so long ago. So thank you, my love. Today, I come to you with a message of peace. It's what the angels proclaimed when they announced Jesus' birth to the shepherds. They said, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among men with whom he is pleased. The prophet Isaiah, writing about Jesus centuries before his birth, said this about him. For a child will be born to us, a son will be given to us. Please forgive my sniffles. Um, The government will rest on his shoulders and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. What is peace? You may have heard the Hebrew word for peace, shalom, that is used in the Old Testament. The word itself is a whole idea that can be used for many different circumstances. And when the angel said it to the shepherds, they were using it in the context of wholeness and completeness. The Bible Project says that shalom refers to something complex that is in a state of wholeness. They add, True peace takes a lot of work because it's not just the absence of conflict. True peace requires taking what's broken and restoring it to wholeness, whether it's in our lives, in our relationships, or in our world. Today we'll look at the aspect of peace that relates to our lives, the inner peace that is available to the follower of Jesus. By the time we're done here today, I hope you will have an idea of how to keep the peace that Jesus has already given you. This peace that is a combination of absence of fear regarding the future and a sense of security that you're being taken care of. But do you know that as a follower of Jesus, I don't always feel the peace that he promised I would have? That peace that passes all understanding? I can be just as worried, just as fearful, just as frantic as before I called myself a Christian. Is that true for you too? Yet we know that Jesus repeatedly promised it to us. On one such occasion, he said, in John 24, 37, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give it to you. Do not let your heart be troubled, nor let it be fearful. This issue of inner peace plays a huge role in what God wants to give us. It's even listed as part of the fruit of having the Holy Spirit in our lives. In Galatians 5.23 we read, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. Now, you don't have to answer this question out loud here today, but I'm pretty sure you've probably answered it somewhere else before. If you were to pick an animal to describe yourself, Which would you pick? We just saw that video, but I'm sure not many of us picked sheep. (laughs) Even though we know that in the Bible, people are likened to sheep, it's not how we want to think of ourselves, right? Instead, strong like a lion sounds pretty good. So does sleek like a Doberman, fast like a racehorse, graceful like deer, but sheep? I don't think so. No one wants to think of themselves as sheep. But if we stop to honestly assess ourselves, we see how we can be like sheep in many areas of our lives. For one, we can be pretty dense. 
make the same mistakes over and over. Two, we like to wander off course. And three, we need help figuring out what to do and where to go. But my friends, hope is not lost. Not only does the Bible tell us that we are like sheep, it also tells us that there is a good shepherd who is personally concerned with the welfare of us sheep. When a shepherd is with his flock, all who are under the shepherd's care feel a sense of peace. A shepherd in biblical days lived with his sheep, and that means a shepherd knew everything about them. He nurtured, guided, and always had his eye on the sheep. In John 10:11, Jesus describes himself as this good shepherd. He says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Now, who is this man that declared he is our good shepherd? And why should we trust him? W. Philip Keller, an East African shepherd, described Jesus this way. Though born amid most disgusting surroundings, the member of a modest working family, he bore himself always with great dignity and assurance. Though he enjoyed no special advantages as a child, either in education or employment, his entire philosophy and outlook on life were the highest standards of human conduct ever set before mankind. Though he had no vast economic assets, political power, or military might, no other person made such an enormous impact on the world's history. Because of him, millions of people across almost 21 centuries of time have come into a life of decency and honor and noble conduct. Not only was he gentle lead, and tender and true, but also righteous, stern as steel, and terribly tough on phony people. He was magnificent in his magnanimous spirit of forgiveness for fallen folk, but a terror to those who indulged in double talk or false pretenses. He came to set men free from their own sins, their own selves, their own fears. Those so liberated loved him with fierce loyalty. It is this one who insists that he is the good shepherd, the understanding shepherd, the concerned shepherd who cares enough to seek out and save and restore lost men and women. A concept I struggled with in the early years of my Christianity was that of an indwelling Jesus and Holy Spirit. That is, that they had to live inside of me. Why did I, as an independent thinker, need someone living inside me. Walking beside me, yes. I wanted to live for Jesus, but to indwell me where he could affect my thoughts, desires, eyes, and everything about how I live, I had to really pray about that. Asking Jesus to help me to understand and accept why him living with me was necessary. When he came into this world as a baby that first Christmas, to grow in wisdom, teach us, live as an example for us, die for us, resurrect from the dead, and then ascend into heaven and send us the Holy Spirit. He did it all so that he could reconcile us back to God by indwelling us. And when he does that through the Holy Spirit, he gives us his peace. Indwelling goes deeper than just walking beside. It means he's always available. Jesus takes shepherding to a deeper level. David, who was a shepherd before he became king, wrote what is probably the most well-known psalm in the Bible, and it describes God as a shepherd 
we heard Monica read it to us in Spanish a couple weeks ago at our community of culture service. Here's Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. When he wrote this psalm, David didn't identify as a fellow shepherd along with God, but as sheep. I think that very often we want to believe that we are co-shepherds instead of sheep. David, a man after God's own heart, understood his place and his role and declared, The Lord is my shepherd. We like to give ourselves so much importance. Carry the weight of the world that we were not meant to carry. Think that so much depends on us when really what we need to do is lay down unnecessary burdens, unclench our fists, and breathe deeply, trusting that our good shepherd is taking care of business on our behalf. Some years ago, I was getting ready to have a, um, a mass biopsy. A group of women surrounded me and prayed for all to go well. One of them put their hands on my head and prayed shalom over me, peace. I felt that word as it was spoken, and as nervous as I was, I received it. On the day of the procedure, as I lay on the bed in the cancer care clinic, the quiet chatter of the medical team going on around me, I could also hear vehicles going by on the street next to the office. I realized that whatever happened in that room, whatever my results turned out to be, that life would go on whether I was in it or not. And shalom washed over me as I recognized my smallness in the grand order of things. That short experience taught me that the world won't stop if I do. In other words, I am not God, thank God. And I don't have the responsibility of making the world go round. Neither does it revolve around me. I am not the shepherd. The pressure that that took off of me, especially being an eldest child, was huge. According to verse 4 of the psalm, he is with you in and through the valley of the shadow of death. So you don't have to be afraid because you are not alone. because He is with you. He is preparing good things for you, leading you onward to experience places of peace filled with his anointing, his goodness, and his mercy, both now and throughout eternity. And then verses 5 and 6, you are on a walk with the Lord, your good shepherd. Imagine that, to good places filled with favor, blessing, and a culmination of peace in the presence of God, your shepherd and savior. By nature, sheep tend to be unsettled, skittish, and nervous. If sheep are fearful, at odds with other sheep, dealing with pests that are irritating them, or feeling unsettled due to hunger, they will have difficulty lying down. Does that sound familiar? 
Philip Keller said, nothing so quieted and reassured the sheep as to see me in the field. The presence of their master and owner and protector put them at ease as nothing else could do. And this applied whether it was day or night. The same is true about our relationship with Jesus as our good shepherd. His presence in our life has the same effect on us as his followers, as sheep do with their shepherd. He brings peace and confidence that it is okay to lie down and rest because he is with us and taking care of us. Not only is Jesus concerned for our welfare collectively, he's also concerned for our welfare individually because we are his sheep. Nearing the end of 2020, 11 months into that horrible year, I prayed for peace for myself. I wanted it so badly. Then one night as I slept, I felt peace like a river come over me. It felt so beautiful. And my first thought was, I never want to not feel this. I felt like Peter at the Transfiguration. And I prayed, how can I keep this? How can I hold on to this? Is there anything I need to do to make space for this peace in my life so that I don't lose it? And that became my prayer. And I want this to become your prayer. Lord, help me to keep this peace. When I woke up, I was still bathed in peace. And just a side note, do you notice, like, whenever you talk about peace, it's like water? So, like, I'm washed with peace. I'm bathed with peace. Peace like a river. Anyway. So, I was still bathed in this peace. And sitting in prayer, I took stock of my life. What did I need to let go of that robbed me of my peace that Jesus promised me? And what did I need to do to enhance the presence of peace? After all, peace is the promise that Jesus made, and he doesn't lie or go back on his word. So if I'm not walking in peace, if you're not walking in peace, it's not because he's not indwelling us or not being a good shepherd to us. It's on us. Earlier I mentioned that peace is not just the absence of conflict. It is also the presence of something that brings completeness. So as I went through this process at the end of 2020, um, there were some things that I took off of my plate or out of my life, and there were some things that I added. And I want to share one of each with you. These may or may not resonate with you, and I'm not saying that you have to do any of these things. I believe that as individuals who are known and loved by our Good Shepherd, we can allow the Holy Spirit to show us individually what to take away and what to add. So I started to pay attention to the things that make me anxious, or like we say in Belize, the things that raise my blood pressure. One of these things for me was where I got news and information from. It was huge. I made a list, mental, of all the sources I depended on, news outlets and social media. If any of these sources, and this was my criteria, if any of these sources regular, regularly caused me to fear, be angry, worry, or turn against a whole group of people who are different from me, I chose to t stop listening to them as sources. I deleted their apps off my phone, unfriended and unfollowed people and organizations, and I said to God, see, I am serious about holding on to your peace. 
something I added in were the spiritual disciplines of solitude and silence. Life is so fast-paced that it isn't easy to make room for this. You know what I'm talking about? So I chose to make room for solitude and silence within the boundaries of what my life is. For me, that meant to start doing breathing exercises. I hadn't done that before. Um, Habitually listening to calming music, my poor husband sometimes. Um, Carving out space to read more, and most importantly, maintaining daily quiet time with the Lord no matter what else is going on in my life. Sometimes before, like if we were going on a trip and we were leaving at five and I had to get up and get ready, I'd skip my quiet time. I try to not do that anymore. So here are some tips for how you can keep the peace, and these are backed by scripture. These tips that I'm about to share, they've worked for me, and I'm hoping that something from what I'm about to share will stick with you. If it does, and it's an area that you're willing to work on, take it up with the Holy Spirit and figure it out together for how you can make this happen. The first one is to trust our good shepherd when he says, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. But take heart, I have overcome the world. Keep your focus on Jesus, not on the chaos in your life or in the world around you. In fact, when you see chaos around you, take it as a sign that Jesus' peace is actually available. Like, you can watch chaos happening, and you can say, Jesus' peace is available. If you take your eyes off the chaos, and you put your eyes on Jesus, not only is it available, you can put your hand out and receive it. Secondly, choose to believe that the Good Shepherd is always with you. His last words were, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. If you've received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, then he's already living inside you. He is already your good shepherd who is looking out for you. A new way I have learned to pray is to say, if I believe that Jesus is already with me, I can pray, Lord, give me eyes to see that you are with me. I don't pray anymore, Lord, be with me, because he's already answered that prayer. He is with me. And so when I pray now, I say, Lord, give me the eyes to see that you are with me. Let me feel your presence. And when I pray for other people, I say the same thing. Lord, give them eyes to see that you are with them. Let them feel your presence. And that is one way of putting your belief into action. Another way I do that is in uncomfortable, unpleasant, tense, worrisome situations, I will say out audibly, Jesus is here. And that just brings that just brings this sense of his presence. So sometimes if you see me like mumbling to myself, it's quite likely that's what I'm saying. It makes such a big difference in any situation. Third, stop living for the approval of others. In Galatians 1.10, Paul says, For am I now seeking the favor of men or of God? Or am I striving to please men? If I were still striving to please men, I would not be a bondservant of Christ. 
so much of the stress and tension we live in are based in the words, what will they think? When your focus is on God and what he thinks about your choices, the loving father who sent his son so we could be reconciled back to him, you can lay down the weight of a ton of bricks that is other people's opinion about you. When you're constantly conscious of Jesus' abiding presence with you, you can live set free of fear from whatever others might think of you. And my last tip here is just work on being thankful. I recommend at least once a month to use your prayer time to just thank God for the things he has done for you. If you've ever tried this, you'll see that it's not easy to run out of things to say thank you for. Not only does it please the Father to hear your gratitude, it also lifts your mood very quickly. Like you can pick anything and you just say, thank you, Lord, and then something else comes to mind, something else comes to mind. And by the time you know it, you're the one who's going to have to say, I got to go. You won't run out of things to say thank you for. Try it at least once a month. Perhaps that is what Jesus, your good shepherd, wants to remind you most about this Christmas, that he is present with you. He is near you. You can count on him to lead you to those green pastures where you can lie down on the inside of your soul. He leads you beside those still waters where you can drink deeply without fear of being swept away by life's currents. For those who have put their faith, hope, and trust in him for salvation, his leadership in your life as your good shepherd is towards places where you can know you have security and provision in who he is and what he has done for you. Through his own life, death, resurrection, and empowerment by his spirit, we can truly find our peace in life that is contained in him. His peace offered to us through his birth, leading ultimately to our salvation, is part of the wonder of Christmas. And I submit to you today that you already have all you need to live in Jesus' peace. As Peter wrote in 2 Peter 1, 2-3, Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, seeing that his divine power has granted to us everything pertaining to life and goodness through the true knowledge of him who called us by his glory and excellence. For you to walk in and keep the peace that he has for you, there will be things you'll have to lay down that are keeping you from living in his peace. And this is not an exhaustive list. I'm only going to name a few. The first is envy. You're going to have to lay down envy. And I say, don't envy other people's lives based on what they post on social media. It is said, a picture speaks a thousand words. Jesse hears this from me all the time. It can also tell a thousand lies. <laughs> On social media, people only show you what they want you to see. I've been a social media marketer. I know that. They hide the rest of it. So don't be envious. Don't waste time being envious. The antidote for envy is gratitude. I promise you, if you start practicing saying thank you, to the Father for all the ways that he's taken care of you, big ways and small, the ways he looks out for you, you won't have time for envy. 
Another thing we have to lay down to keep the peace is unforgiveness. There is so much freedom in forgiving someone else, forgiving ourselves. Make space for peace by choosing to forgive. Battle that out with the Holy Spirit. Tell him you don't want to be unforgiving even though it's hard. Be honest about your feelings, your hurts, how difficult it is to forgive. Ask him to give you the desire to forgive. But don't let go the process of working on forgiveness. Don't let it go. Another thing you need to let go of is your past. And I have two things to say about your past. One, if God has forgiven you, brought you out of it, receive and accept his forgiveness. It can be hard to do that, and it's probably easier to just keep asking him to forgive you for the same thing, even though you haven't done it since the last time you asked him to forgive you. I used to do that. I had this whole trail of a life before I became a Christian, and I kept asking God, please forgive me, please forgive me, please forgive me. And then one day I realized that I was treating God like he were me, someone who found it difficult to forgive. Instead of taking him at his word in which he promised to forgive us. So believe you're forgiven and walk in that grace. And secondly, do what you have to do to keep the past in the past. Go to therapy if you need to. I do. Twice a month. Talk it out. Cry it out. Even if it takes years to do so. Because I promise you. Every single solitary step you take to let go and heal from the past is a step in the right direction. It might not feel like it, but those steps all add up. And one day you'll look back and you'll see how far you've come from the things that could have broken you. And you'll see clearly how much room you've made for peace, shalom, wholeness, completeness in your life. There is a meme I saw some years ago that carries a simple but profound message. Let's take a look at it for a few minutes. Moments. I saw that some years ago and I, you know, every now and then I need to make a decision And I picture it in my mind that what I'm holding on to is small and God wants to give me something bigger. Jesus is either your good shepherd or he isn't. Isaiah said, the steadfast of mind you will keep in perfect peace because he trusts in you. The peace Jesus offered is not just a concept. He didn't come to earth just to give us another topic of conversation and study. When you accept him as your savior and the Lord of your life, he gives you his peace. But as he always does, he gives you the choice of what to do with it. Will you slap his hand away because you think you know better about how to manage your life? Or will you recognize that peace is already there for you and determine that you will do what it takes to keep the peace, his peace? If you're a Christian listening here today and you're determined to keep the gift of peace that passes understanding and you want to start living in it, I invite you to use this time as 
Kyla sings, um, to talk to Jesus about desiring his peace and what you're willing to do to keep it. If you're not walking with Jesus, but want this peace that he came to give us, you can also use this time to talk to him in your own words and ask him to be your Lord and Savior, either for the first time or to recommit your life to him. Finally, friends, I'm going to leave you with a blessing. And you all know this, but I want you to receive it. From Numbers 6, 24 to 26. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift his countenance on you and give you peace.